0: Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I want to welcome, as you're preparing to give, a very special guest that we have with us today. He's coming all the way from Ventura, California, by way of right here in our neck of the woods in Trumbull County. His name is Mike Roberts Jr., and he currently serves as a pastor on staff, the executive pastor at the City Church in Ventura, California. They have campuses across California, and he serves under Pastor Jude Fuquay, who is an incredible pastor in his own right. And we love him because he served here grew up here and he served as our youth pastor for many many years and I want to say personally how much he means to me Uh, as my faith was being formed early in life I really looked up to him and still do and he's helped me a lot in my journey with Jesus and so today we asked him if he could share a message that would encourage you and inspire you as we head into 2022 so we want you guys to cheer him on encourage him in the comments share this with your friends and let's get ready for an incredible message from Pastor Mike Roberts Jr. Hey Believers Church, so glad to be with you
1: today. Hope you're having a great Christmas season. Shout out to all of you across all of your campuses, BC Warren, BC Borman, BC Traditional. Uh, my name is Michael and my wife Gabrielle and I, we just send our love to you, to your church, to your senior pastors, Pastor Joe and Gina, we love you so much. Uh, I honor you today grateful for you, grateful for the opportunity that you've given me to be able to just spend some time with your church. And we love your area because my wife and I, we grew up in Northeastern Ohio. My wife went to Highland High School. I grew up in Girard and graduated from Girard. So in the war of hot dog shop versus jib jab, I'm team jib jab. And so I'm glad to be with you Uh, and we love your church. And here's why, because for the first 27 years of my life, some of the most significant moments that happened happened in your church. It was in your church where I went to kids a church and I learned about Jesus. And every Sunday I raised my hand, asked Jesus into my heart. But it was in your youth group in middle school and high school where my faith became real and personal. And it was in that youth group where I would meet people who would mentor me and disciple me. And it was in my early twenties in your church where I learned the value of being plugged in and helping build the local church with my talents and my abilities. And it was at your church. Once I graduated from college, I had my first real job and it was being the youth pastor at Believer's Church. And it was at your church where I met my wife. So some of the most amazing moments that happened to me happened in your church. So please do not uh, underestimate what God can do with a life that is planted and rooted in one local church. And so we love you. And my wife and I now, we live in Southern California. We are executive pastors at a church called City Church, California. And we're not alone. We have four amazing children. Ford, who is my oldest. We have Sienna and Kennedy, our twin girls. We call them the Thunder Sisters. And we have our youngest, is crew. And so we've done our part to help build up our church. And I get to be with you this morning here. And I want to answer a question as we finish up 2021, going into 2022. And here's the question I want to talk about today is simply this. Hey, when I make a decision to believe in Jesus, will it change my life? Will it change the way I live my life? Maybe you've thought that before. Maybe this is the question we can answer too. Hey, uh, if I become a Christian, does it really matter how I live my life? And so what we're going to look at today is we're going to answer that question in the text, James chapter two, James in the New Testament. uh, It's a book that was written by James. Uh, He was the half brother of Jesus. And uh, he wrote this, this letter to Christians who were under persecution who were dealing with resistance in their life. And we know that because in James chapter 1, verse 1, it says, hey, I'm writing this letter to the Christians, to the church, scattered abroad. Now, the reason why they're scattered abroad is because they're being hunted. They're being persecuted for what they believe. So the book of James is a great book to read with this understanding. It tells us as Christians how to live during a time where you're feeling resistance, where you're feeling pressure when there are things coming against you. So with that filter, we're gonna look at James chapter two. And what he's going to do here is he's going to paint a connection between my faith and my life, between what I believe and how I live my life. So with that, let's look at James chapter two, starting in verse 14, it says this, hey, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. And if one of you says to them, hey, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. He says faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. See, James, he begins to describe two different types of faith that we can have. We can have an alive faith, or we can have a dead faith. And what he's doing in this verse is he's helping us identify in our own lives, okay, what kind of faith do I have? Do I have a faith that's alive or do I have a faith that's dead? You know, one of the things that I like to do if I just want to like kill some brain cells and do nothing is to jump on YouTube and I watch two different types of videos. I watch golf club reviews and I love to watch fail videos. Something about watching fail videos for me just ministers to my soul. Something about watching somebody get hit in the head, getting pranked, falling off a skateboard, something about that just ministers to me. And one of the things I like on some of these videos is this one where there's this ride, it's a slingshot ride, and it's two people right next to each other and there's a camera that looks right at them. And it, I, I guess it projects them really fast, really high into the air. And it's such an intense ride that sometimes one of them will pass out. So you're, you're watching this video and they're screaming, going crazy. Next thing I you know, one of them just goes limp and their hands are going everywhere and it just looks like they're dead. And the person the next to them is like, dude, are you okay? Are you okay? Because that's what happens, right? When someone passes out, you're like, you alive? You dead? Dude, are we good? Can I laugh at this moment? Or do I need to call 911? Right? So what do you do when someone passes out? You, you check their pulse. And you check vitals. Say, okay, are they alive? or Do we need to call somebody? See, what James is doing here in chapter 2, he's giving us a pulse check for our faith. He's like, hey, listen, you're going to know if the faith that you have is alive or if it's dead if your life produces deeds. Some translations say works. Like if your life looks different after meeting Jesus, then you know this faith that you have is alive. Now, notice what he's not saying. He's not saying that my actions give life to my faith. In other words, he's not saying, hey, listen, hey, do some good stuff. Like try to behave, try to be nice to people, throw the church a couple bucks every once in a while. And if you do those things, then you can have a confidence and a faith that you can go to God and ask him and he'll, he'll love you. He'll care for you and he'll answer your prayers. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that my actions give life to my faith. He's saying a faith that is alive, naturally, organically, automatically produces deeds, produces works, produces life change in my life. Now in a little bit, we're going to qualify what does he mean by deeds? So what do these deeds look like? What do these works look like? What do these life changes look like? We'll get to that in a moment because later on in the text, James does. But right now, all I want you to do, pulse check your faith right now. What kind of faith do we have? Do we have a faith that's alive? Do we have a faith that's dead? You know, what he's saying about this faith, the apostle Paul talks about the same type of faith. Paul, uh, incredible man of God, wrote two thirds of the New Testament. And if you've ever wondered if your past disqualifies you from God loving you and using you, Paul's your guy because it is a resounding, no, it doesn't disqualify you and God can use you no matter what happens in your past. Because that is Paul's story. Paul writes this about faith in Ephesians 2.8. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift from God. By grace you have been saved through faith. What Paul talks about is this experience of salvation. He says this moment of of believing, putting your trust and hope in God, of being made new, coming into a relationship with God, is a gift that you will only receive by grace. The only reason this is available to us is because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He became a man, and he was crucified, and he rose from then. As a result, this gift is one we could not earn. You could not deserve it. It is given to us by God. However, by grace we, we have it, but by faith we receive it. This is the faith we're talking about. It's not just a, a faith like, hey, I believe in God. It is a faith of like, I trust God. And it's this faith that in the Greek it means a saving faith. It's a saving faith that allows you to receive this gift that God has given us. And it's this saving faith that James is referring to. We could say it like this. um, Faith alone saves. But saving faith is never alone. Uh, Let me say it again. Faith alone saves. The only reason we have the ability to receive this gift that God has given us by grace is because we believe. It's through faith. But that saving faith is never alone. It always has good works attached to it. Paul, he goes on to say this in verse 10. He says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So Paul says, hey, listen, you were saved by grace through faith. Why? To do good works. So what's James and what are Paul, what are they both saying? Listen, when you make a decision to believe in Jesus, that faith changes the way you live your life. Man, everything changes from there. Every, you go on this journey where good works begin to be produced in my, life. that means I think differently than I used to. I see myself differently. I see my future differently. I treat my spouse differently. I raise my kids differently. I lead my company in a different way. I act differently when no one else is around. Things change when I have a live and active faith Moving in my life. Now, for some of you, if that's not the case, man, and there are not changes that are happening in your life or there haven't been changes that have happened in a while. Man, and that faith isn't producing those good works in your life. Listen, it does not mean that you're a bad person. It does not mean that God doesn't love you or that God doesn't have a plan for you. But what it does mean is your faith is missing this dynamic quality. It is meant to have this life changing grace and anointing that's supposed to be working in your life to produce these things in you and out of you. So where do we go from there? She so might be like, Hey, I'm, I'm checking. Someone call 911 on my faith. Cause I don't see any changes happening in my, my life. Mike, well, where do we go from there? Hey, I have this for you. There's hope. Because there is more to your faith then than what is right now. There's more to your faith. And there is a God who always brings dead things back to life. And in a little bit, we're going to invite him in. Say, hey, God, can you bring back? What if? What if God could bring back to life that which is dead in us? Now, James, he goes on to say this about it. He's not done yet. He says this in verses 18. He says, but some will say you have faith and I have deeds show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish people. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Merry Christmas from James, right? The most PC guy in the world. But what's he saying here? He said, listen, he's addressing an issue that's happening in the church." See, in the church, there's beginning to be this division. Some people are like, hey, we're faith people and we're the deeds people. Like, we're the ones getting into the depths and growing in our own spiritual formation. But y'all can be the ones, you know, helping the poor and doing the work, right? And what James is saying is, can we please not separate that which was meant to be together? Because right? there are some things in life that are just destined to be together, right? Peanut butter and jelly, destined together to be together, Uh, being a Browns fan and being miserable. Like there's destiny to that. Like God said in the beginning, let there be the heavens and the earth. And one day let there be a team in Cleveland and its fans will be miserable, right? Like it's just destiny for that to happen. This is what James is saying. He's saying, hey, it's not faith or works. It's faith and works, faith and deeds that one is integrated into the other one. He also goes on to make a very logical uh, explanation and argument for this. He says, listen, he says, I know what you believe. Show me what you believe in by how you live your life. So show me your faith by the way you live. In other words, he's saying, I can, I can see what your faith is in by the way you live your life. If you were to observe me, how I, how I handle my family, how I handle my finances, how I handle those people around me, you can pick up where my faith or what my faith is in. And James says, if your faith is in God, it's going to produce actions in your life. He goes on to qualify again that this is a saving type of faith and not this surface type of faith. He says, this faith I'm talking about, it's not a faith where like, hey, I believe in God. I believe he exists and he's out there somewhere. And he uses this extreme argument. He says, listen, even demons believe that God exists, that he's there. But that doesn't change their life. No, the faith that James is talking about is this trust, this dependency, this leaning in. This, this not like, hey, I'm going to try God out. Like you try, try out that Peloton bike for three months and then, you know, three months later, it's just holding clothes for you. No, no. It's like trusting in God. That faith is alive. It's active. And that faith produces the good works in your life. So the question is, what are the good works then? Like, what are those deeds that James is talking about? What, what can I be looking at as markers? to say, okay, God, this faith of mine is alive and active. Well, he uses two examples of two individuals that are really in Israel's history and they really stand out. They're, they're, they're some of the patriarchs in, in, in their history. And he talks about Abraham. He talks about Rahab. And here we go in verses 21 and 22. It says, was not our father Abraham considered righteous? for what he did when he offered his son on the altar, you see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. Verse 25, in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in different directions? Two examples, what do do works look like? What do deeds look like? Well, what's the life of Abraham? I'm not gonna go into the depths and the details of our life, but here's, here's ultimately what we can pull back from Abraham's life. Whenever God told Abraham to do something, he was obedient and he did it. What do good works look like? What do deeds look like? Is that when God impresses on you or tells you to do something, we respond in obedience. When God speaks to you, we respond with obedience. Wait, wait, wait Mike, you're telling me that God speaks to me. Yeah, God speaks to you. God does speak to you and God will continue to speak. He might speak to you audibly. He might speak to you through an impression. He could speak to you through a dream, a vision, through somebody else. But you know what? The main way God speaks to us is through a word. And as you begin to read your Bible and not just read it to get through it, but you read it to get it through you, God begins to speak to you. And this word, God's word speaks to how you should live your life how you should treat your wife, how you should raise your kids, how you should live with integrity, how you should speak, how you should treat people that you don't agree with. God's word speaks and good deeds looks like this, a life that is open and willing to be obedient to what God says to do. So God says, hey, stop doing this, I stop doing that. If God says, "Hey, I want you to start doing this, I start doing this. This is a sign of active and alive faith. What else? Rahab. What was Rahab's life? There was a moment where there were these spies from Israel and they were being hunted. And so what did Rahab do? She did what she could do, which was hide them and protect them. A life of deeds, a life of good works. What's it look like? It's a life where we are aware of the needs around us. And if we can help meet that need, we meet it. James talked about that earlier in, in our reading. He said, listen, what good is it if you see somebody who needs a coat or needs food and you're like, hey, yo, praying for you, see you at church when maybe you could meet that need. He says, that is a sign of good works. It's a sign of deeds. It's a sign of alive faith. And you know, listen, God never asks you to give something you don't have or do something that you can't do. He simply asks you to do what you can with what you have with the need that you're aware of, that's good deeds. So the question is then, hey, what is God telling you to do? As we as we end 2021, going into 2022, what are some of the things that you feel like God is really putting in your heart and in your mind? Hey, I want you to start doing this. I want you to stop doing this. I want you to handle your finances this way. I want you to change your interaction with your wife. I want you to treat this person this way. Man, is that easy? No, it's not easy. Do I, do, I, do I get it right? Of course not. There's sometimes God, I feel like God's wanting me to do something and I'm like, pass. You know, that's the devil. I don't believe that's God. And it's not about being perfect, but it's about growing in a routine and a rhythm where, man, I am open to hear what God says to me. And when he speaks, when I get that impression, when I feel like I see something that I need to apply to my life, man, I, I respond with obedience here's another question. Look around. Where do you see a need that you can meet? And this Christian life isn't about to be all, man, all about me and just my spiritual formation. It's about me being formed into who Christ called me to be so that I can help other people. So hey, can we look around this during this season and say, hey, where could I meet a need with what I have? It may not be financially, but it may be with the, your presence. It may be with words of encouragement. It may be with an invitation. Whatever it is, what is a need? That you can meet. These are the signs of alive faith. These are the good works and deeds that James talks about. And James kind of ends this kind of conversation with this very tweetable, postable quote that kind of like summarizes everything. This guy would have been great in social media. He says this in verse 26. He says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. You know, where we are in Southern California, it's very agricultural. We've got strawberry fields and citrus trees all over the place. Most people have like fruit trees in their backyard. And if you ever look at a fruit tree, the, the life of the tree is not in the fruit it produces. The life of the tree is in the roots. And when that tree is healthy and alive, It automatically produces fruit, and this is what James is saying. He's saying the life of your faith is not in your actions, but a life that is rooted and grounded in Jesus. A life that is pursuing God in everything that He calls you to do and be is a life that automatically, organically, naturally, authentically produces fruit. And that fruit are these deeds, these works. It's a life change. They are are actions where God speaks to you and God will speak to you this year. At the end of this year, going to what you need to do, what you need to change. It is a life that is willing to be obedient to what God says to do. It is a life that looks around and is not just all about self, but about others. It looks to where it can meet the needs with what it has. This is a faith that is alive. This is the faith that you we're meant to have. Hey, pulse check. Where's your faith? Maybe right now you're going, you know what? Man, I, I think it's dead or it's close. It's flatlining. What do I do? Where do, we, where do we go from here, Mike? Well, you know, one of my favorite accounts of Jesus is in Mark chapter five. Uh, There's this father that comes to him and says, hey, my daughter is sick. Will you please come and pray for us so she'll be healed? And Jesus comes. And on their way there, some people come and say, hey, listen, your daughter passed. Don't, don't bother Jesus anymore. It's, it's pointless. But Jesus keeps coming with them. And I love that about Jesus. Like Jesus, Jesus doesn't bail when it gets hard. Like when things get messy, Jesus sticks with you. So he goes to this little girl's room and he brings the father and the mother and his disciples. And he prays. And that little girl comes back to life. Two things I know that I learned about Jesus from this story. One, wherever you invite Jesus, he comes. Two, anything that is dead, he can bring back to life. So you might be here today. Your faith is dead. What we need to do is invite Jesus into that area of our life and let him do what only he can do, which is bring that which is dead back to life. For some of you today, maybe that's the first time. There's this first time we all have the same human condition and it's called sin. Sin is what separates us from God. It is what happens when you make a mistake and you do something wrong. That's sin. What is the repercussion of that separation from God. I don't get to know God the way I was created to know him. I don't get to walk into the freedom that he has for me. I don't get to walk with the purpose that he created me with. So what what did he do? He sent his son, Jesus to die on the cross. And because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. You and I can make a decision to believe and allow him to bring life to us again. So maybe for the first time today, I want to give you an invitation. Maybe the first time you want to invite Jesus into your life, just like that father invited Jesus into the room of his dead daughter. Would you invite Jesus to to your heart, which is dead, and allow him to bring life back to you? And the Bible says this is how you do it. When you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says, you'll be saved. So right now, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. And if that is you and you have never made that decision, repeat this prayer after me. Now, there's nothing special about the prayer. But what I'm simply doing is I'm giving you words to what you feel on the inside. So right now, where you are, whether you're on your phone, you're in your home, can you repeat this after me? Say, thank you, God, for Jesus. I believe that he is your son. Father, forgive me of my sins. I make you the Lord of my life. Come on, if you made that decision today, I'm gonna say congratulations. Guess what? God has come into your life. The Bible says, now the old is gone. Now you've got a new future, a new hope. Now you're alive and watch how your life begins to change. Now, for some of you, you made that decision a long time ago. And before I let you go, I wanna pray for you because for some of us, maybe you've made that decision, but man, you're stagnant and things haven't been changing. Kind of just saying where you are. You ended 2021 the same way you started and you want something different. Could it be that we just need to invite God back into our faith and let Him just breathe life back into it again? I would love to pray for you specifically as well before we close. God, I thank you for Jesus. God, I thank you that you bring back that which is dead to life. So, God, we invite you to the parts of our life that are dead. Would you bring faith? back alive to us. God, I thank you that we're going to hear your voice like never before in 2022. And we're not just going to hear it, God. We're going to be obedient to it. God, you're going to change our desires to want to do and be all that you've called us to do and become. God, we invite you and help us God to look around and see the needs that we have. May we live with a missional lifestyle to meet the needs of those around us. And God, I think as we live this life, God, we are going to bring honor and glory to you. And our lives will not be the same as a result of you, what you do on the inside of us in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Hey, Believers Church, man, the Roberts, we love you. Hope you had a great Christmas and happy new year.